Welcome to episode two of Pest Chats, a podcast series in which PCT interviews members of Syngenta's technical services teams, and they share their insights about a variety of pest control topics. I'm Brad Harbison, and my guest today is Chris Kiefer, the technical services manager for Syngenta. Today's topic is fire ants, and in the following podcast, we'll get some insights from Chris on how to control these formidable pests. Chris, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Hey, Chris, for PMPs in certain parts of the country, they're really kept busy with fire ants. Um, what are the major problems and challenges caused by fire ants in residential and commercial settings? Well, red imported fire ants um, are a major pest uh, because they are medical pests due to their stings, and they deliver uh, a toxin that a small percentage of the population is hypersensitive to, and it's probably 1% or less of individuals that are um, can experience this hypersensitivity. But those people, um, when they uh, experience this, they have severe reactions and go in, can go into anaphylactic shock. So it, it's a real issue, and, and it has, it's, uh, happens uh, probably uh, weekly all, all across the United States when red-imported fire ants are active. Uh, another issue I see in, in residential and commercial settings is that um, the, the way that red-imported fire ants uh, swarm. Uh, they can be difficult to control due to their swarming flights, which usually occur in, in summer or spring after a rain event on a very humid day. The ants will just uh, pick up and swarm by the thousands, and they can easily end up on a property that has never had uh, red imported fire ant issues. And these swarms um, during these times of year when, when they are super active, um, the swarms will just follow the direction of the prevailing winds because uh, uh, red imported fire ants are really weak flyers, and so they're, they're going to end up uh, downwind somewhere. And this uh, can cause problems when someone has treated their yard and say their neighbor doesn't, and so uh, the, the, the yard that you just treated ends up with red imported fire ants in a short period of time because you can't treat all the neighbor's houses as well. That's interesting, Chris. Uh, you tend to not think of swarms as being an issue with uh, red imported fire ants, but did a, a real good job explaining why that can be an issue. Um, Chris, as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna, an issue for PMPs in certain parts of the country, but I want to talk a little bit about that as far as the geographical range of fire ants. How has that changed over the years? Um, are these pests becoming more of a problem um, to a number of consumers nationally? Yeah, so since uh, red imported fire ants, and I'm using them as the, the primary example here. Since they arrived in Mobile, Alabama in the 1930s or, or 40s, uh, that varies on what publication you're reading, uh, they arrived from Brazil, and uh, they've gradually moved east and west and north, expanding their range all across the southern United States. And in, in many states, um, the ants are uh, followed by the Agricultural Extension Service, and they actually keep a... Uh, a dossier, if you will, of where red imported fire ants have been confirmed within their state. And so uh, within Texas, I think there's 254 counties. If you go uh, to uh, Texas A&M University's website and look at uh, the, the red imported fire ant section, it'll list all the counties where red imported fire ants are confirmed from. And being confirmed, that means they've been positively identified by a professional entomologist. Now, going back to, to are they expanding their range? Yes, absolutely. Um, we as humans are, are the biggest problem, and we exacerbate the problem of these ants moving across the United States. 
Um, the ants will, will end up in sod or plants or uh, building materials or junk. And then we as an individual uh, pick this sod up or, or this, these substrates up and move them across town or across county lines or different states, and we're moving the ants with us as we, we go about our daily lives. But with that said, many states have quarantines on red imported fire ants. So technically and legally, I guess, you cannot move infested goods from one county to another county that is, does not have red imported fire ants. But it's impossible for the state to even attempt to enforce this type of regulation. Um, they primarily rely, rely on the individuals to, uh, to be responsible and to do the right things when it comes to introducing pests to different uh, counties or states. Yeah, it's definitely uh, with what you had mentioned about the, some of these, you know, possibility of these ants kind of expanding their range. It's, it's definitely a pest that's on the radar for a lot of PMPs. And mm -hmm. uh, Chris, let's uh, talk a little bit about the biology and behavior of fire ants. Um, what is it about their biology and behavior that makes them so challenging to control? I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, lots of red imported fire ants are polygyne, meaning that they have multiple queens that support a single colony. And when you have uh, multiple queens uh, and their whole responsibility is to lay eggs all day, every day, um, you, you're going to get numbers built up uh, really quick and you're going to get high densities of ants, of red imported fire ants, if they go untreated. And when it comes to, to treating them, uh, you know, that, that becomes a great challenge because, um, you know, if you look at a typical residential yard, it's maybe a, a, a fourth of an acre or less, and you may have several mounds in this yard, and then you may have several mounds in the adjoining yard and, and, in, and even in the next yard, and all those mounds could be the same colony. And so they're all supporting each other. And, and when you treat yard A and there's ants in yard B and C, um, Lots of times, uh, you know, the ants in yards B and C, they're part of the same colony. Well, if you, if you believe in no niche goes unoccupied, then those ants are going to move into where colony A used to be. And so, again, the yard that you just treated could become infested with, with fire ants much quicker than you thought it would. Yeah, and uh, Chris, I want to stay on this topic of treatment. Um, what should PMPs know about properly treating fire ant nests? Well, I would say the first thing, as always, is to make sure you properly identify the ant as a red imported fire ant or a fire ant. Uh, find suitable products that have red, red imported fire ants on the label. You need to follow all those label directions and, and the uh, directions for use. And if you do all that, your treatment should be successful. And, and when you think about treating fire ants, there's a myriad of ways to go at it and lots of different uh, ways to be successful. Uh, but primarily, you're going to be looking at baits, uh, granules, which would, would, leave, would leave a residual, and then liquid sprayables, or a combination of, of two of those or three of those different formulations. Now, the baits uh, and granules, you can just broadcast those over the known square footage. Um, you need to be very precise, put out the proper volume so you don't over-apply or under-apply. Liquids can be used to treat individual mounds. And if you're going to uh, bait and spray, I would suggest um, that you invest in rotting uh, tools that can be hooked up to your, your big rig equipment and you can rot down into the mound 
and push that rod deep so that you kill the ants down in, in the mound and under the ground that you can't see. And then you come back with a bait and apply that over the treatment, uh, the rest of the treatment zone. And the ants that are out of the mound at the time of application will uh, pick up and forage, will forage and pick up that bait, and it will uh, kill them. So you're kind of a, a two-pronged approach there. If you're going to apply uh, bait, um, generally you want to apply bait in the late fall to reduce ants from overwintering, and that's going to decrease populations of fire ants in the spring when those ants become super active again. But if you're applying uh, red imported fire ant baits in the summer, it's imperative that you treat in the early morning or late evening, because this is when uh, red imported fire ant foraging is at its peak. And uh, just like us humans, ants don't want to be out in the heat of the day. So they're, they're up at, at dawn and dusk and looking for food. And baits that are applied during the heat of the day and in summer, you know, in the southeast particularly, it's really hot. You know, it can be 100, 105, 110 degrees in some places. And those baits lose their oil coatings, and so it makes that bait less attractive to foraging ants when they do come out and forage later in the evening or, or in the morning. And uh, Chris, let's talk a little bit about Syngenta. Uh, what is Syngenta doing to develop products for this market segment and support the industry's fire control efforts? So, you know, Syngenta is a global company. We have approximately 28,000 employees. We cover 90 countries. And we spend almost $1.5 billion in research and develop, development annually. We have 5,000 dedicated staff just to research and development across the globe. And we've invested in the future of, of red imported fire ant or, or fire ant control by constantly searching for new active ingredients and compounds that show promise against red imported fire ants. So just to kind of walk you through this, so once an active ingredient is discovered and it kind of shows promise against uh, fire ants, it is profiled, evaluated, and developed for potential as a product that we could bring to the market. Now. I'm going through this really quick, but it usually takes about eight to ten years to bring a product to market, and it costs about $300 million for a manufacturer to get that product to the market before we've uh, made a penny. And so generally speaking, uh, through this whole process, uh, we screen approximately 100,000 compounds a year, and if you think about it step by step, 5,000 of those compounds will make it to step two maybe 30 of those compounds make it to step three, and then we're lucky if one of those compounds uh, gets moved along and gets put into that eight to 10 year process. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about Advion fire ant bait and how it works to control fire ants? Yeah, so um, Advion fire ant bait is in doxycarb, and it's 0.0545% doxycarb, and that's in oxidiazonine. Uh, it has really good uh, activity on fire ants, and uh, normally you go out and apply it at the uh, volumes listed there on on the label, based on the square footage of the, of the treatment zone, and you're going to get really fast control with Avion fire ant bait. Uh, you'll usually get up to 100% control within 72 hours. And can you talk about the Secure Choice Fire Ant Assurance Program? How does this program work, and what are the benefits to PCOs? At Syngenta, we offer our Secure Choice Assurance Program in regards to red imported fire ants. 
It allows uh, PMP to apply adion firant bait, which has the active ingredient doxycarb. And those um, recommendations are based on expert applications that's proven by scientific research. And with the, the high performance of adion firant bait, you can expect control in about 72 hours following the application. So with the uh, Secure Choice Assurance, it is recommended that you make two applications per year, one in the spring and a second application in late summer or, or early fall. The application rate uh, for the, the uh, adion firant bait in the assurance program is 1.5 pounds per acre. So for small applications, you can utilize a handheld spreader, or for large applications, you can use a walk-behind spreader or even an ATV-attached spreader. I would say uh, always calibrate your equipment to ensure proper volume of bait is being applied over the treatment area. And you can find all of this information and more about the Secure Choice program in regards to threat imported fire ants at SyngentaPMP.com. Chris, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, marketing. In your experience, you know, what are some of the most effective ways to mar market fire ant control services to your customer? Yeah, so uh, if you're in an area, you, you know if uh, red imported fire ants are active in your, in your part of the country or part of your state, um, just offer a service um, to your clients and, and, and market it, promote it. Um, whether uh, it's annual or every six months, but offer a service interval that you're comfortable with for control of red, red imported fire ants. And if you're gonna use a bait um, or with a bait and, and be very targeted um, with your liquid application. So again, broadcast your bait. And if you need to, if there's high densities of mounds and you need very quick control, um, do that bait application and then rod those mounds to kill those mounds. And then come back at uh, again at a service interval that you're comfortable with to look at uh, to follow up and see if the ants have reinvaded or, or if you're still maximizing your control on that property. But really set it up as uh, as a treatment protocol based on science, and, and then market it to to your constituents that way. Uh, Chris, is there anything else that we haven't asked you about this topic that you'd like to add? The only thing I can think of is, you know, follow those label directions. If you do that, you're going to maximize your control. And those label directions, like kind of like I mentioned earlier, are, that label is the document that is at the end of 8 to 10 years of research and $300 million. And so we've done all the legwork, uh, and we want you to be, uh, the end user, PMP, to be successful. And if you follow those directions as far as volumes over over square footages and directions and uh, follow the directions for use, then you will have uh, lots of success treating fire ants. Well, Chris, thanks again for joining us and sharing with our listeners some of your experiences with and some of your advice for controlling fire ants. Thank you, sir. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Have a great day.